to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast in the studio. Clark and I are super excited. We're jumping into a brand new book with you, First Corinthians. Boom. It's happening. It's going to be super fun. Um, really though, excited just to be in the studio and audio with you yeah. through this book. Taking so steps forward. Going to be a special thing that's a little bit different. So join us, grab your Bible, yep. turn up your radio station. We're jumping into First Corinthians. Yeah. Before we get into the actual verses, here's a little background when it comes to Corinth. It's in Southern Greece, populations around 50,000 people or so. Um, when Paul is writing this letter, he wants to make it very clear that this is all about Jesus. And mm-hmm. so if you look at the first nine verses, Jesus is talked about nine different times. The focus is on Jesus. And what's happening here in this letter is that the people have allowed worldly thinking and worldly ways of living to infiltrate the church and the way they treat each other, the way they um, view their sexuality, the way they handle food, and the way they worship. And so Paul is saying, hey, time out. We got to come back to home base and let's yeah. reset and talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus today. Yeah. Yeah. And so first nine verses, he's thanking God for the grace given to them in Christ. And it's talking about Jesus and Jesus and Jesus. And then he kind of gets to verse 10, which is kind of the thesis of really the letter. Yeah, let me read that. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no division among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and in thought. So you can, like Clark said, the main thesis of this chapter is unity. Don't be divided over what we're saying or how we're acting or how we're living. When you come back to the basics, remember to fight for unity. Remember that we belong to each other. Remember that we want to encourage and bless and lift up, that we Mm -hmm. don't want to divide because then that's just going to lead to us falling. When we fall away, we all fall. Yeah, For sure. When you think about the best sports teams, the best bands, uh, the church, this is a common theme because people's pride gets in the way. And when we're united and we're going together, that's when we're stronger. That's when um, there's more fruit. If you're a Lakers fan, you think about what could have been with Kobe and Shaq. Had their pride and ego not gotten in the way of whose team is this? I'm in charge. I'm the leader, blah, blah, blah. Weren't they already good? They were the best team, arguably one of the best teams ever to play basketball, you know, before the Golden State Warriors assembled their Avengers, basically. But yeah, Kobe and Shaq, and they won three titles and just steamrolling people. And then their pride got in the way and Shaq was traded. But if had Shaq stayed, they would have won plenty more titles. Yeah. Same thing with the Beatles or you go through any kind of band <laughs> and it's like if you just keep your pride in check and stick together, mm-hmm. you're going to be far more powerful. Your influence is going to have a far greater reach. And here, Paul's saying the same thing. In the yeah. church, you got to be united. So verse 11 and 12, he continues and he says, yep. my brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. I mean is this, if one of you says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, or the other, I follow Cephas, still another, I follow Christ, there's dysfunction at every level. Yeah. And I think that's a tactic of the evil one, to splinter us and get us into smaller factions rather than keeping the whole team together. Yeah. Like when Peter writes his letters, there's this imagery of like the, the pack. And if you've ever seen a wolf hunt 
sheep or goats or deer or what a gazelle, they always try to get one to veer off all by itself. Yeah. And then it's, it's, it's dinner time. I don't go to those YouTube videos. Wolves. I don't. I know. I, <laughs> Clerk's algorithm is full of predators. My cousin guys. sends me videos of alligators <laughs> and snakes. And then like the other day, I got the grossest video I've ever seen in my life. I don't it's know. one of those where you can't stop watching it, but you don't want to watch it. What, what was it? It was a anaconda purging an alligator that was alive oh, okay. it was like i hate snakes as it is and i'm watching this disgusting <laughs> anyways coming back to the scriptures uh we're not supposed to splinter we just got to stay together yeah. we got to be on the same team yep and uh trust that lord's gonna have his way with the church and specifically we need to be centered around jesus yes. that's what paul's getting at here with corinthians yeah. is we're we're divided but really at the root of our division is that we're not surrounded and centered by we're not centered around jesus christ that's what yeah. 13 says is christ divided was paul crucified for you were you baptized in the same name as Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except for Crispus and Gaius. So no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Mm. Verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom or eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So really kind of a key takeaway there for thir verses 13 through 17 is that we got to trust the Holy Spirit to do the Holy Spirit's job. Because you see, we, like Paul's saying, it's not me who died for you. It's not, it's, it's all pointing back to Jesus. So yeah. Paul's using a scroll and he's using, you know, the preaching of the word and the power of the gospel that way, yeah. where we might use technology or it's going to look different for us. But the key takeaway here is still the same. We can mm -hmm. trust the Holy Spirit that he's going to work and he's going to go ahead of us yeah. and make it so that we are all one. So even though, you know, Cephas or Apollos, are, we're doing maybe different things in, in our own own power it's all to the lord jesus christ and yeah. he's the uniting person that brings us all together hey, crispus could be our what? next child's name crispus no. corver we're, we're, we're looking continue. for more k names for we're Corvus. not looking we're not looking for k names <laughs> we have had a list uh, kenobi kylo ren qui-gon those Corver. aren't on the list either if you think clark's <laughs> serious when he puts those out on social media no maybe no. our next dog will be named kenobi corver or crispus corver if we want to keep it biblical uh, anyway crispus. back to back to the text back to the text <laughs> one of the things paul is using here though <laughs> when it comes to baptism is that like baptism in itself like we can't just get caught up in that act it's point it's a sign yeah Reformed That's theology true. teaches us that the sacraments are signs and seals mm -hmm. pointing to a greater reality. So yeah. when it comes to baptism, the focus isn't so much on the water or on the altar or on the, the immersion in right. now the lake, the river, the pool, the bathtub, wherever mm -hmm. it is. It's on the symbol pointing back to what Christ did mm -hmm. and who he is. Same thing with uh, communion, which isn't really talked about as much in this chapter in this yeah. book. but. When you take communion, it's not so much focusing on like the grape juice and mm -hmm. the bread or the wine and the cracker. It's focusing on Jesus' body, his bloodshed, his death, his resurrection. And again, it's all about Christ. Yeah. 17 kind of nails that really home. Verse 17, when I love when Paul's saying like, it's not because of wisdom or eloquence, less mm. the cross. It's it's like not me in my own like charismatic speaking. It's not me in my background and where I've been in my testimony and where I am, even though those are helpful things, we need to rest in the power of the gospel because that's enough. Yeah. So that'd be like us saying like, Hey, come to Emmanuel, you know, we've got kids programs and we've got Bible studies and these are true things. And we want to invite people into that with the undertone that when you come, we want you to encounter God yeah. because we're a church that believes that that's enough. 
that when you do, when you encounter the Holy Spirit, when you come and you have an experience, whether it's in quiet or with corporate worship at church, that he is going to grab your heart because we trust that the Holy Spirit's doing what the Holy Spirit does. Mm -hmm. And so like Paul's saying here, when we, when we believe that, when we believe it is about our own, you know, good deeds or our own, um, charismatic speech, well, then that's stripping the cross of the power that it actually has. Amen. Amen. Preach it, sister. <laughs> and so it's really good stuff. And Paul continues to kind of go there when he talks about that in the continued verses. Too, yeah. Verses if, if you have a Bible that has subtitles in it, you'll see the next section mm -hmm. is Christ crucified is God's power and wisdom. And so he says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. If you jump down to verses 22 and 23, it gives you a little more context as to what Paul's addressing specifically here. He says, the Jews yeah. demand signs and the Greeks are looking for wisdom. But mm. we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called both the Jews and the Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Yeah. Because specifically in verse 22, the Jews were always the ones kind of talking about like, hey, Jesus, like, give us yeah. a sign. Do like it the, again. Come the on. sign of Jonah. And, and, and he, he did. And then it wasn't enough. Yeah. It still wasn't enough to capture their hearts for them to believe. Yeah. And then the Greeks, if you keep looking, the Greeks were known as being Gnostics. They were focused on, yeah, on knowledge. Yeah. So they would sit in the courtyards of Athens and Jerusalem and wherever else, specifically here in Corinth and Southern Greece, and just talk about the latest ideas and like what they're learning and what they think and the enlightenment and the revelation they've had. And Paul's saying, all right, Jews, like you want the signs that wasn't sufficient enough for you because Jesus did all kinds of awesome miracles. And then for the Greeks, logically, if you look at creation and you look at logically Jesus' uh, lineage, I mean, Matthew and Mark, Luke go out of their way to, um, sorry, Matthew and Luke go out of their way to give the genealogies of Jesus. So you can actually historically yeah. go and pinpoint, this is who Jesus is. Here's where he comes from. If it's fulfillment of all the Old Testament scriptures, here's his mother conceived by the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. all these things. But like you said, when it goes back to the preceding verses, verse 17, if we get caught up in all these things, whether it's our knowledge or it's an experience, and that's just going to keep us coming back to church and back to worship, and that's not sustainable. You need God and God alone. He's mm. in the experiences. He's in the youth group. He's in the communion, in the baptism, all these things. It's pointing back to Jesus. Yeah. And if we get caught up in the charisma or in just the entertainment the or going yeah. through the motions, eventually you will run dry. And when you bump into a hard time, your faith, which is a house of cards, will fall apart. And so that's what Paul's saying. You got to get back to Jesus. You got to get back to Jesus because it's all about him. Yeah. Verse 26 kind of ends with this. I think what's like a really key part of like how to do that. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. <laughs> I love this verse. Not many of you are wise by human standards. Not many of you are influential. Not many of you oh. are of noble birth. So consider your testimony, consider yourself. And why I think this is so key to understanding that we exalt a worthy God is because this verse reminds us to walk in humility. This verse reminds us that we respond to the gospel, not out of um, like guilt, like, oh, we have to do this. We have to go to church. We have to draw near to God, but also not out of grandiose desire to be God, not out, like, oh, I figured it out. It's in my own wisdom or it's in my own intellect. It's actually out of gratitude. Yeah. It's actually because we remember who we were. We remember our testimony. We remember that it was out of 
our sin that God saw us and loved us and called us his. And so when we come from a place, when we come to a place of gratitude in response to the gospel, then that makes our response genuine. That makes it so you were saying it's unsustainable. Otherwise, that makes it so we actually long to come into the presence of God. We long to walk with him and pray continually with him. Um, I think in other gospels too, is it is it Peter? He says that like, no, I think it's an Acts actually. When yeah, Peter okay. says that they were, they, um, that the unbelievers looked at them and saw that they were ordinary men, yeah. but that they had power and authority. Because and they had spent time with Jesus. Because they had spent yes. time with Jesus. And that's yeah. the same thing that Paul's saying here to the church in Corinth, where he's saying, it's not about you. Yes, we get to partner with God, but we got to fight for unity. We got to pull each other up mm-hmm. and we're going to point everybody to Jesus along yeah, the way. And, and that keeps us in a place of humility. Like the other day I yeah. was, I was feeling really just grateful and excited about a workout I had done. And I felt like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I, I just hit this mm-hmm. goal. You know, I was really excited. And I also, in that moment, the spirit touched my heart. Like, you know, one tight muscle in your back, Clark Corver, and you are hobbling around we like an old it. man, <laughs> going to the chiropractor, walking humility, young man. And in that moment, that turned that, fr- and it wasn't a, a bad thing. I was like arrogant celebrating. celebrating. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like really arrogant, like, oh yeah, I'm so strong because I'm not. But it's like, oh, I did that. And like, thank you, that God. That, yeah. Thank you that I'm not hurt. Thank you that I'm Health, not yeah. hobbling around with a cane right now because I had a bad back injury a couple years ago. It's like, yeah. thank you. And so the Lord is constantly keeping us in places of humility because mm-hmm. that's what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. If you end, let me just end with like verses 27, 28 um, there. It says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things of this world, the things that are not to nullify the things that are. And here's the reason. Verse 29, so that no one may boast before him. The fact yeah. that the church exists is proof that God is God and he is real, especially at Emmanuel Reformed Church right now. I, I say this before. <laughs> yeah. When I preach on Sunday, I, I can get emotional. I'm not an emotional guy because I literally see heaven right in front of me. What church has four generations in it? Yeah, English, special. Spanish, Nepalese, Republicans and Democrats. Yeah little boys and girls, babies, and grandparents yep. all together. Why? It's because of God. Yep. There's no other reason for why. We, yeah. yeah, for almost 100 years <laughs> yeah. now. Why would you gather? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just Christ. And so the fact that the church exists is proof, again, that God's working, at least yeah. in our church. I'm just really grateful and humbled by that. And then lastly, like, as you think about this, Jesus went to the, de- to, to the cross and died what seems to be a very embarrassing and mm-hmm. shame-filled death. Yeah. Naked on a cross, humiliated in front of the world, and God takes that, flips it on its head, and says, "I'm going to save anyone who will repent and believe with this instrument of of torture." Yeah, it's like, man, who am I to boast? <laughs> who am I to boast? I'm, That's so good. I'm not. So that's wrapping up chapter one, you guys. Who are we to boast? Yeah. That's when it comes down to it. So thanks for joining us. We're going to be back with chapter two soon. God yeah. bless you. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk soon. Have a good one. Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.